1: Welcome to Saints History, told and experienced the way God intended it, with excessive amounts of alcohol and cursing. The booze is probably bourbon because...
0: Other alcohols are for rich women on
1: diets. Now, here's your Drunk Saints History host, who is... Bombed out of his gorge. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Drunk Saints History. I'm your host, Ralph Marlborough. Uh, I'm going to be honest, Uh, this episode, I'm like five years in, I just did a shot between the tapings uh, of Tin Cup, so I am really, really drunk on the back end of this. This is a second taping with a patron who donated $25, Jim Grimsley, he donated $25, and if you donate $25 for four months, you get in the raffle, Jim did it, he won, and you get your own two episodes of Drunk Saints History. You pick the topics with my assistance, and we chat and we bullshit. And me and Jim have been doing it. We, we've gone way over time. I, I appreciate Jim. I told him I would only need him for 30 minutes. We've been doing it for like 40. So Jim, I appreciate it. And th- tell the people what you're drinking. Uh, I'm drinking Bud Light, and I'm I've I've mixed it with I've mixed it with brown liquor, and that's going to end badly for me in about 45 minutes. But what are you drinking tonight?
0: Ralph, before we get to what I'm drinking,
1: I'm a little upset the fact that,
0: that the reason you picked me was because of my money and not because of my <laughs> sparkling
1: personality. So I'm a little pissed about that. Well, okay? well, listen, you got to have the money to get into the raffle. So I didn't know about your 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 beautiful personality until we chatted tonight. Before that, you were just a dollar sign, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So you just to like a dollar sign
0: that's what you're doing Ralph okay hey i give i, I
1: have i have been i've been generous but this is this is this this drunk history thing we we did this we started this this is the 3rd year of it we started it ironically because the computer that i had for the show uh, I don't have a sound effect of my wife's cat. You know, I, I have I have this sound effect. My wife, but my my wife's cat destroyed the laptop, and I was I I I got it repaired, but it was still clunk. It was still crap, and I told people on the show I was like, if you people will donate, I think it was like I was like I need eight seven eight hundred dollars for a laptop if you people just donate enough to get me the laptop i'll do a drunk i'll get drunk every month and i will do a drunk saint's history and we had a great response and a woman stephanie she actually donated the last couple hundred bucks to get us over the line it was more than that maybe uh it's because so long ago but she got us over the line and people loved it so i was like this is great I'll do it every year and that way I'll just have like a reserve fund in case I, we have technical issues. But that's how it started and now we've done all the big topics but now we do it like the micro topics. Me and you did uh, Saint on a previous episode that people have heard, Saints player that we thought were going to be awesome that they drafted that ended up being flops. But this episode is just going to be as good. This episode we're talking Bobby Hebert and Bobby Hebert, Jim, he has so many layers. I want you to tell the, the story that I had forgotten about until you mentioned it that he everybody knew that he was in the NFL, the USFL, and he was a he was they they won a championship, he won a championship with the Michigan Panthers, uh, in the USFL, uh, and he's very he's still very proud of that. And well, he should be a championship is a championship, but he so he was not a minor player in the USFL, he was a big name, uh, and you know the Saints. Benson had just bought the team. Tell the people the story that you found, and I totally forgot about Edwin Edward Edwards making the pitch to Bobby Abair to sign with the Saints.
0: Well, a lot of people forget the fact that that back in 1984, there's a the the Saints were Meekin was looking to sell the Saints. Yeah. And the rumor was they were going to be sold to somebody who was going to move them to Jacksonville. They visited.
1: Negum and Miegelman Bum Phillips flew to Jacksonville and, like, took a tour of the stadium. I remember that. I was a little, very little kid. It was very dramatic. It was the lead on the news.
0: So, so they were going to do that. And so Edwards, being Edwin Edwards, got involved. And one and a Louisiana State Senator called Bobby Hebert. And Hebert was visiting with Seattle, and he was expecting to sign with Seattle. after the USFL had folded. And the senator called Abair and said, hey, Edwin Edwards is going to call you. Take his call. And sure enough, Edwards calls, says, look, Benson's going to buy the Saints. And then he bought them. And he says, we want you to play for New Orleans. And then sure enough, he told Benson to to sign Abair, and that's what he did. And, yeah, and, that's Hebert, and that's how A. Bear and that's how A. Bear ended up with the New Orleans Saints. You know, and because of good, Edwards and the politics.
1: And that's a good point, you know, he brought in Bobby A. um you know they brought Bobby A. in uh before they even um uh before even they they brought in Jim Finks and Jim Mora. So like Bobby abert was a was 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 pre that decision. You know, Bobby Aber Bobby Hebert was a quarterback for the Saints in eighty five, you know? Yep. Uh which is which yeah, was pre Mora was...
0: he played he was on the roster for eighty five and eighty six and he really started playing in eighty seven, but he was he was there for eighty five and eighty six.
1: Yeah, I mean in 86 he broke his foot, but 85, you know, he 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 was he was bombs last year and Wade was interim coach for a little bit. But that's the thing, right? Uh that's was part of the 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 story of Abebe going forward. It was a lot of animosity with him and Finks because he wasn't Finks' guy you know he wasn't yeah. so finks really had no loyalty to him and and that was just the the way the NFL was back then you know i said it in a piece that i wrote for channel channel 4 when i did an oral history of it when i talked to bobby a Bear and i talked to mike detillier you know mike detillier just explained it jim finks he believed that In the 80s and 90s, you built your team sort of backwards of how you do it now. Right in 2019, it's you got to find a franchise quarterback. You get the franchise quarterback on the low rookie salary. You have a ton of salary capacity, and you build your team around the quarterback. In the 70s and 80s, the feeling was you can build your team, and you slide the quarterback in as the final piece, you know? Um, So it was just interesting.
0: And that's what Finks did when he was – with Minnesota, yeah, remember the whole Joe Cap deal? He had Joe Cap that took him to the Super Bowl. Let
1: and him then, go to Canada, uh, like he was like you want you then, want to you want to make eighty five thousand dollars a year, Joe Cap? That's crazy. Go to Canada.
0: And then he let Cap go, and then he brought <laughs> Frank Tarkenton in, and yeah. and stuff like that. So he was always very tough on paying quarterbacks a lot of money. There's no doubt about that.
1: Well, I mean, that was just. That was just, I mean, the NFL, you know, in in those days, man, they just, they treated players like, Tech Shrem literally said, like... CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer so don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
1: Players are like cattle. I can get more cattle. Like they just they didn't treat players worth a damn, and they didn't have free agency. The players had no leverage. Um, you know the thing about Bobby Aber, I think that's interesting with him, is he uh, never threw more than twenty touchdowns with the Saints, and that dude even in the even in the in the eighties and nineties when. Interceptions and turnovers weren't as, weren't viewed as a, as, as big of a problem as they are now, you know, because it was always like throwing was sort of this weird, sort of mystical thing that teams had. They only did it a lot when they had to. So quarterbacks, interceptions weren't viewed that, that as, as a giant bugaboo. But even for that, like, dude. Abeir threw a lot of picks. Like he, he never threw more yeah, than twenty he, touchdowns, and he threw fifteen interceptions in back-to-back years with the Saints in '88 and '89. Like,
0: yeah, he was kind of a one, almost a one-for-one. One. He was always better than he had more touchdowns than interceptions, but he was still never had quite a that kind of breakout year. But you know, to set the context for context for Bobby Aber. You have to realize the Saints were horrible for 20 years, right? Yeah. So so in, in, in 87, when he actually became the legitimate starter, you know, we had, before that, we had terrible coaches. We had Fears, we had J.D. Roberts, John North, yeah. Hank Stram. We had terrible drafts, we, which we talked about on another podcast. And a quarterbacks think about the quarterbacks we had. Gary Wood, Gary Quaza, we had Kilmer, who... The city liked, but he wasn't a great quarterback. Ronnie Lee Smith. We had Manning, who I loved Archie Manning, but he never had a team around him. And then we had Bobby Douglas, Dave Wilson. Stabler. Ken Stabler. Todd. Yeah. Think of, think about all those guys. So finally, Bobby Hebert shows up, and in 87, you know, it was a replacement year and all those things. But the Saints go 12 and 3. That was kind of a magical year for the yeah. Saints. we actually we had a winning season we actually won won something it was a spectacular year
1: and and also too you know it, it's so long ago now it's just sort of it's you know once you get I find in the in the internet age once you get 10 12 years out like it just it, it almost it, it, it almost might as well be you know, thirty-two years ago, it might as well be World War One. You know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's like I love it, and I love Saint and I love. You're
0: making me feel old here.
1: Ralph. I'm old. I look. I'm old. <laughs> I write my. I write my Channel Four columns now, Jim, and 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 I purposely try not to make many references about the Saints pre two thousand and six because it's thirteen years ago, and yeah. You know, so, you know, people just, like, there's a whole generation. I'm 43, and my recollections of the Saints, for for all the talk of, oh, the Saints have had this terrible history and this and that, not really. Since Benson's bought the team, the Saints have either been a playoff team or mediocre. They don't have many Disastrous years, right? The last year of Mora was a disaster. The last year of Ditka was a disaster, and the Katrina year was a disaster. But that's about it. The rest of the time, they're either mediocre or they're good. Like, so we haven't really suffered that much. But pre '87, man, the sa- You would argue the same. I-, I could tell you the Saints were the worst organization in sports. Any. professional well, sport, Ralph, I, any have you, sport. I have
0: to tell you, I had. I had season tickets in 79 and, you know, we watched Archie Manning and like I said, I loved Archie Manning and you had Galbraith and Muncie and, you know, you thought, well, we finally turned a corner and we really hadn't, but then we went through the Aints years with the, with the bags on our heads, And then I still remember, and I remember a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about this, but, uh, you know, I, I got transferred to Chicago and my brother-in-law, used to send me VHS tapes of the Saints games every week, okay? Andrew
1: did that when Andrew, and, lived, in, when yeah, Andrew lived in France. And I,
0: I mean, this was – I used to wait for Wednesday evenings because I would get – on Wednesday evenings, I'd get a VHS tape, and I knew the score, and I knew we had gotten beaten by 25 points.
1: <laughs> and you watched anyway. That's dedication. And
0: I, wa- yeah. I watched it because I was looking for the bright spot. <laughs> Right, because somewhere there was a bright spot of something positive that was going to happen. Okay, that, and that's what the Saints fans pre nineteen eighty seven and pre Benson went through. Is we looked for anything that was a bright spot because we had very few I, of them.
1: I remember as a kid in in nineteen eighty seven, I was eleven. And you know, and 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 it was just sort of it was sort of devolved away from Bobby Abe, but we'll get back to that. But in '87, man, the Saints—they were coming off a of seven and nine, and seven and nine for the Saints was their second best season ever, besides eight and eight, right? There was real optimism. About the Saints because it it, it it you know it felt like the Saints with Benson you know for all the things of, of of the criticisms of Benson that I think weren't necessarily fair about him being cheap and he ran it like a business and all and that sort of it, when the Saints sort of lost in the mid after of left and Ditka and that sort of thing the criticisms of him I think they were kind of unfair but at the beginning when Benson bought the team and was like I'm gonna run this like a business the media and all the fans were like thank fucking god we don't have to deal with meekum treating it like a toy and benson's going to run it like a business and it'll be professional and maybe that'll help them if and, and you know he hired Jim Finks and Jim Moore, and say what you want about them, they were competent. But the thing that's amazing about 1987 that I think gets lost to the history books because Jim Moore didn't win any playoff games and Abraham and that sort of thing. The Saints in '87 went 12 and three, and they had a quarterback who was a Cajun. They had their number one wide receiver was from LSU, Eric Martin, and their number two running back who had 800 something yards was Dalton Hilliard. Like, not only did the Saints win but it was infused with local players all over the roster like that made it really really fun
0: well the whole yeah you know, the whole Eric Morgan deal and you know the local boy makes good with with uh with Bobby Abear he- was just spectacular it really really was and you know and the thing i liked about Bobby Abear one he actually, he he did have a cannon for an arm. He had a great arm. He was spectacular from that perspective, but you know, he was brash. He was cocky. You know, he brought a different kind of image to the Saints that we really hadn't had. I mean, because we'd beaten, been beaten up for 20 years. There was no cockiness about the Saints, and he actually had some. Now, maybe there wasn't any reason to be cocky after the years we had had, but he actually brought some of that to the Saints. No, that he had – Bobby Aber
1: had – Bobby Aber when he played, he had swagger and a toughness. He played a game – I forget what year it was – where he played a game in Tampa, and he got knocked out of the game because of a concussion. And that was back when – A player would get a concussion. You'd be like, oh, thank God, it's just a concussion. And he didn't blow out a knee or break his leg or anything because we didn't know anything (laughs) about concussions. And and he got a concussion and got like four teeth knocked out. And the Saints, they had to put in, I forget who it was at quarterback, uh, and they got hurt. I think it might have been Dave Wilson or, or whoever the backup was. And Bobby Eber had to come back in and take more of a beating. And the Saints ended up losing, <laughs> you know. But, like, that's how tough he was. Like, you could say he wasn't that good and he wasn't. But he was tough. And he – Bobby Eber carried himself like a fucking championship quarterback even though he was kind of Jay Cutler-esque quality to him. But he yeah, carried I mean, himself he... like a swashbuckling son of a bitch.
0: Yeah, he had a you know, he would have great games and he would have bad games and you know, and that's what it was. But he the other thing was he was also supported by the Dome Patrol. So that actually helped him, you know, we go back to the idea that he threw a lot of touchdowns, we threw a lot of interceptions. He he had a great defense with the Dome Patrol with Swilling and Jackson and Mills, Vaughn Johnson. They they helped him out a lot. But at the same time, he was, he was what we needed, but he never really had, you know, he had Reuben Mays, he had Dalton Hilliard. He had a bunch of good running backs, but like I said, he had Eric Martin who ran a 4 7 as his best wide receiver. You know, he yeah. just didn't have the real, real targets to uh, throw the ball to because he had a great arm.
1: Yeah. My my favorite Bobby Abair memory of all of them. You know, he doesn't have the good playoff games and all this, but my my favorite Bobby Abear memory is nineteen ninety one. He hurt his shoulder and the Saints were eight and one and he missed a month and the Saints lost them all. And it wasn't just because of of, of uh of of Bobby Abear being injured. The defense sort of slumped in those and those one and they just lost a bunch of like um, heartbreaker games like they 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 lost to Atlanta 23 to 20 they lost to San Francisco 24 38 to 24 where they had a turnover and a touch to a, a touchdown at the end to make the score closer they went to Dallas lost and they they came home on Monday night and they were playing the Raiders and the Raiders now are a joke. And, and I know there's a generation of you out there that are like, the Raiders are, are, are a joke. They're John Gruden. They're Tales from the Crypt, Al Davis, who died a few years ago. Like, they've never the, – the Raiders, since they went to the Super Bowl in the early 2000s, they haven't been good, and they weren't good before that. But I'm here to tell you, man, in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, the team that kicked – everyone's ass on Monday Night Football was the Raiders. Like, you played the Raiders on Monday Night. You feared them. They played the Saints in 79. The Saints were up 35-14 to and lost at home to the Raiders. Like, the Raiders were the kings of Monday Night. Like, they they won like 70-something percent of their games. And I remember it was like, the Saints are in a tailspin and they're playing the Raiders on Monday Night. We are dead. And Bobby Hebert came back... Threw for 320 yards and the Saints crushed them 27 to nothing. And I just remember it just being euphoric in that stadium.
0: Ralph, why did you have to bring up the '79 <laughs> Raiders game? Because I was there. I sat there as the Raiders came back and scored like 28 unanswered points against the Saints, and Chuck Muncie fumbled. To, to turn the game over to the Raiders, I really appreciate that round.
1: Yeah, and I have to say though, if you if 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 you want to just burn time, Google Saints 1979 Raiders and watch the uh, national anthem. Al Hurt played the national anthem, and it's just magnificent. His 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 playing of the trumpet is, but but the thing that really makes it great. is is as he's playing the National Anthem, they they show the close-up of the players. Ken Stabler looks like he literally woke up 15 minutes before the game started <laughs> and got out of a box on Bourbon Street and came to the game. Like, So do that at Google, YouTube, Google it or find on YouTube, Saints Raiders 1979. The National Anthem is amazing. Uh, you can even Google. I did a Hudot history for Canal Street Chronicles back in the day. I watched that game because I have the I have the entire '79 season on DVD, so I watched that game and did play, and did color commentary of it. It's fun. It's fantastic. So, um, but the rate like the Raiders. Am I right though? The Raiders were like Monday Night Kings. Oh yeah, I mean the Raiders. They just kind of dominated
0: that that whole era, and. That's why, as I was sitting there, and I still remember we'd gone to Mr. B's Bistro for for uh, uh, dinner before, and then we went to the game. And I'm sitting there, and we're ahead by 28 points or whatever it was, 21 points. And I'm thinking, this is the most unbelievable night of my life. And then 20 <laughs> minutes later, I say, this is the most unbelievable night of my life as we lose the game. I mean, it yeah. was friggin' unbelievable as we did that.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, you, know, you know. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, that's the Saints, man. And the, the thing is, it's really, it's so hard to be, I, I, it, you know, people don't want to be, there's a, there, Archie Manning is this myth wrapped up in a legend, you know, because, you know, you say, well, the Saints were were awful and they, and they, They wasted his entire career, which is true. And by the way, Google Archie Manning Paul Zimmerman for Sports Illustrated. He did a feature in like 1982 on Archie Manning. It's fantastic, and it goes through all the fuck-ups of the Saints during the Archie Manning years. And it's just a perfectly written piece. And it's worth like 40 minutes of your time if if you're interested in Saints history and that sort of thing. But the fact of the matter is because the Saints were so bad... Archie didn't have playoff games or big games to judge him on. But, man, that second half against Oakland, Archie was pretty fucking terrible. Like, he was, like, 2 of 12, and the Saints offense just totally couldn't get anything going. And, you know, that's just how it goes. But as we talk about Bobby Hebert, like... You, it's 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 the, it's the complete role reversal right? Jim? In 91 like Bobby is like I am back, I am the quarterback of the team all as well and it was man, he got it done and they won that division and I have to say like he was the main catalyst. I, if he'd have been out those last two weeks, I'm not sure I'm not sure the Saints would have won that division in 91.
0: No, the you know Bobby Bear. Hebert... He he! not only had a great arm, but he had the fire. And when you read articles about what the Saints player said about Air Bear with regards to, like, the holdout and stuff, the players were all in Bobby oh, A.B.A.'s totally. camp. And, and, and that's one of the interesting things about the whole holdout deal is when, you know, as a fan, and, you know, when I put myself back in, in those years, I was kind of in the Jim Thinks camp, right? You know, because if, if you, you know, you're thinking, well, it, what's good for the team, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And then in retrospect, you look back and you read what the players said, you know, and you look at, at the way the league has developed. You know, he was right. He needed. He deserved more money. He wasn't being offered the right amount of money. And, you know, he, he should have, you know, holding out was the right thing for him to do, but it, oh. ultimately, it, in the near term, it cost him money. But then, when the judge and the whole and he joined the uh, the uh, NFL class action suit, you know, he ended up making a lot more money because he became a participant in the suit.
1: Yeah, well, and, here's you know, the th- and
0: that was the right thing to do because Fink's was trying to replay the Joe Cap situation.
1: Well, here's the thing too with with Bobby Abair is. You know, the whole thing in his holdout in 1990, the whole thing that complicated it was the Saints went in a tailspin in '89 at the end because they lost to the Rams on a Sunday night and it just put them in a tailspin and their offense was a mess. And they benched Bobby A. Bear to try to spark it up or whatever. And they put 4K in, and 4 was magical for three weeks, right? Oh, and three weeks. He was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. And that sort of changed the calculus in that 4 was even more local than Bobby because 4 was from New Orleans and had played at Ole Miss. And he was – and, you know, that that offseason he was a grand marshal in Endemion, And it was, you know – so Saints fans were like, whatever, Bobby. And, hold you out. Know, we don't need – we don't well, need you. The most we got important a 4K.
0: Thing was, the most important thing was he was for my alma mater, Archbishop Shaw. Shaw.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so the, the, that changed everything, right? Saints fans were like, we don't need Bobby. Hold out. We don't need you. We have 4K. And to me, one of the critical things in the Jim Mora era was if, if 4K just would have been terrible those three weeks, I think the Saints would have begrudgingly signed a bear and, yeah. uh, well, I, moved along. I, but I the think hit- when, you know, one of the biggest issues that Jim
0: thinks, and I, I do like him because I think he put them, the Saints on the right track. But one of the biggest issues became kind of the hard headedness that he had trying to play the tough guy with Bobby a bear here, here. And, here, you know, the, and the fact, the fact that he ended up the next year, when a bear was holding out making, you know, trading a first, second and third round draft choice to get Steve Walsh that killed the saints. If you could have taken those draft choices and gotten a wide receiver and a cornerback to go with Bobby a you know, we were, we were online to, to Here, actually do some good things. Here's
1: one of my favorite. What if questions? And Mike, Mike Dettelier told me this when I did the oral history. And by the way, not to toot my own horn, but it's probably my most favorite thing I've ever done at WWL. Google it; you can find it. It's amazing. It's two parts. It's long, but it's great. But here's something that Mike Atelier told me that is just—it's a—it's maybe—it's probably its own drunk history. What if podcast that I'll have to do at some point with Andrew or maybe someone? The Raiders wanted Bobby Bear. They always did. Al Davis always wanted him, and and they—Al Davis. Offered the Saints a number two draft pick, second round pick, and Marcus Allen, who remember at the time Marcus Allen had been rotting on the Raiders bench because Al Davis just gotten a fit, a snit with him and just was like, don't play him. And Marcus Allen would go on to go to Kansas City and um, score about 60 more touchdowns and rush for about uh six thousand more yards. So um, you know, the greatest thing about Marcus Allen was, I mean, uh, you know, if he had um if he had gone to the Saints, um uh how good would he have been and would it have changed the Saints um, uh, would it have changed their um, outlook you know uh, would they have would they have been able to uh, win a couple of playoff games um, with uh, with Marcus Allen you know um, yeah because he was still he was still good even after he was
0: he turned thirty he was good he was 34 or 35 years old and uh yeah that was you know to not make a move either to either pay a bear what he deserved or to turn around and and uh trade him and then get something for him that made no sense and then yeah. and then the in addition to that to turn around and give three draft choices get steve walsh yeah. Who Jimmy Johnson? If you ever read about him, he knew right away when he got after he drafted Steve Walsh and had Aikman that he didn't want Walsh, but he just yeah. kept building him up so he could trade him. And I mean, great.
1: You know, he was thirty-three, thirty. I mean, he he ran for seven hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred, eight hundred yards with Kansas City. Um, now, granted, he kind of split carries, but. I mean, he was awesome at the goal line and scored 44 touchdowns. I mean, that would have been a great what-if. Would you have rather have Marcus Allen, a second-round pick, and all those other draft picks and not a quarterback and what the Saints would have done at quarterback in that situation or uh, what they did? I mean, I just think – I just think it, Jim. It would have been it would have been amazingly interesting. Uh, but that's the thing with Bobby Abreu. He has his career has all these these great forks and what ifs with the Saints. You know, maybe what if he'd like you said at the beginning? What if he'd have gone to Seattle? What if you yep. know? What if? What if the Saints would have actually, what if Jim Finks would have shipped him out? What if, you know, 4K had no, what if 4K had a bomb? Like there's all these what ifs with the Jim Mora Saints and they all sort of, if you have like a, if you had like a pie chart, or not a pie chart, but like a, a flow chart, it all sort of leads back to what happened with Bobby Hebert, uh, as to why this sort of, why things went they went the way they did under Jim Mora. And, of course, his ending, Jim, he just, I mean, he's back and he's, he's a drive-time host and he's, you know, Mr. Saints football and he sort of replaced Buddy D and all that. But, man, when he left to Atlanta, he was fucking hated. And I will say I uh, hated him when he did his little Falcon fly-away nonsense. It well, was when worst. I yeah
0: when I saw that, because I, I have to admit, I totally got when he went to the Falcons. I didn't like it at all. But I totally got it, right? But when when he was when he when he threw the touchdown pass and he did this little falcon flyaway thing, I just I mean I just threw up in my mouth. I really <laughs> did, and it just it just drove me crazy. But you know the fact is, you know we, all you have to do is look at. The Bobby Abear thing, and I think it was when they were playing the Steelers when he was announcing when they tried to kick him out of the booth because because of his <laughs> shenanigans when when we, we stopped him four times inside the five-yard line. You know, you look at that, and today I, I actually I watched something that was the Saints uh, Super Bowl Parade. And they showed Bobby Abear in a dress in the parade.
1: Oh yeah, you know, he did the buddy D. Yeah.
0: Buddy D And you know, that epitomizes New Orleans Saints football. Right? And that's that's why you gotta love Bobby bear,
1: Yeah, I mean the thing is too, Bobby Abear, man, if he was the quarterback of I mean, it's hard to it's hard to judge it because it, you know it, with Sean Payton and all, but if he was just the quarterback of the Saints today with analytics and everything, my God, there would be blood in the streets on social media yeah. and Twitter, Jim. Because because the thing is, right, you would have the Saints with this great defense, right, winning, and you would have Bobby Hebert, the 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 quarterback of the team and they're winning, right? But his stats would be terrible. Like he'd have all these interceptions and you know his yards per attempt were pretty terrible like he never you know he never averaged more than seven yards per attempt which is uh no I take that but he he did yeah, average you know more than, you know what a, a couple would have of times people
0: like me you would have people like me going yeah but I've got a four uh, I got a re- my best receiver runs a four seven uh, yeah. 40 okay get me a receiver that can catch the ball. At downfield, I mean, that's yeah. that you know, and we haven't even begun to mention Carl Smith, yeah, right? Yeah, it, and, it, and, and Carl Smith was so tied to Jim Mora, and I love Jim Mora because, like I said, Jim Mora and Steve Sidwell and Finks and Benson changed the dynamics and the trajectory of the Saints, but. I, you know, I don't know whether it was Carl Smith and I think it was more Jim Bora just being conservative. We had, I mean, with Reuben Mays and Dalton Hilliard and people like that, we could have done so much more from an offensive you know, the standpoint. Thing is,
1: the thing is with the Saints, and, and this is this is a history point that I've made on the podcast a bunch of times is the room is spinning now I drank too much um, but yeah I, the thing is for everybody in this podcast I can't get sloppy drunk at the beginning of the podcast because I have to run everything right so because like I have to I have to be able to I have to be able to run sound effects like this it's not a lie if you believe it like I have to be able to run the soundboard and make sure it records so I can't get Totally just plowed at the beginning, but now that me well, and Tim are just so, you're so good at that. You're so good at that, Ralph. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so, so like. But now we're near the end of the second episode, and we've gone way over time. So now it's just completely falling apart on me. But <laughs> the the thing about with Bobby Hebert was that '87 team was probably the best offense he ever had because. Ruben Mays, he was great in 86, he was good in 87, but he was never the same after that he got hurt. Dalton Hilliard was really good in 89, but they had Barry Word, Ruben Mays and Dalton Hilliard as their running backs. They had a young yep. Eric Martin. Like that was probably the best offense that Jim Moore ever had and it was I think their highest scoring team they ever had under Jim Moore if you go by points per game. And we just didn't – you didn't realize it at the time until you look back and you're like, oh, yeah, in 91, Fred McAfee was their leading rusher and they won a – they went 12-4 and four, and they, they Vaughn Dunbar was their leading rusher and he had, you know, 500 yards. And you're like, well, so what? But, I mean, think about that. The Saints were a defensive first team and we're like, we're going to play defense, we're going to kick ass on special teams with Morton Anderson, and we're going to run the ball down your throat. Like, that's what they wanted to do. And in 91 and 92, they couldn't even execute the formula because their running backs were so terrible. You know? Um, yeah. and, and that's. So they had,
0: I mean, they had 87 and 88, they had the magical formula to, to try and do something, mm-hmm. and they just didn't execute. And yeah. I, I think it came down to just they were missing that big wide receiver to compliment Eric Martin. Yeah, yeah, and take advantage of Bobby Abair's arm. I mean, yeah, it. they
1: ne they never had a the the, the the deep guys they had were like Floyd Turner and Bobby Abair always told the story when I when I you know because I didn't work with him that much but after Buddy he he him and Kenny Wilk late Kenny Wilkerson did it and Bobby Abair always told the story to me he's like you know fans would get on me for yelling at the Saints wide receivers you know they would get on me for yelling at the wide receivers but. All those wide receivers that I yelled at, Lonzo Hill, Brett Perryman, and the other one, he's like, all those receivers I yelled at on the sideline because they didn't know what they were doing, the next year they were all gone because they were terrible. Yeah. And I was like, eh, he's got kind of got a point, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I used Jim, to get so excited about Lonzo Hill. Oh, my God.
0: And I was so disappointed every year.
1: Brett Perryman went on to Detroit, and and they figured out how to use him in the run and shoot, and he was catching a hundred balls a year and being really good. I was just like the Saints were just uh the ni- the late eighty, early ninety Saints, man. It, I could I could I I should do like a side podcast of those years, and I should just go game by game. But um,
0: <laughs> hey, wait wait Ralph Ralph, we have to put this call on hold for a second because I've got the saints nfc 2009 championship game against minnesota on on video (laughs) and brett Favre is limping off the field so i i'm curious to see how this is going to turn out yeah so my son my son and i went to this game this was one of the highlights of my life so can we hold off on for this for the next 20 minutes no i'm just kidding
1: (laughs) (laughs) i wonder how it's going to go (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I t- a side note on that. I hope we that.
0: win
1: this time. <laughs> a Side note on that before we sign off is, and Jim, I have to say, and I say this to people, and people they won't believe me, but it's the God's honest, it's the God's honest truth. The Minnesota NFC Championship game was so stressful to me that, and the Saints were so goddamn lucky to win that game. I've never gone back and watched that game from start to finish. Because that game, like the Saints won and full credit to them, but Minnesota just vomited it up. And I, there's part of me that like feels like if I watch it start to finish again, like the Saints might not win. Like, because that's that's how.
0: I have to, I've watched this game a number of times. And I remember we got to this game, we'd gone to the French Quarter and, you know, drank and did all that stuff. We went to the game. We stood up for the entire game, okay? I mean, didn't go anywhere, didn't go to the bathroom, didn't do anything. Then we went back to the French Quarter after we won, and it was the most spectacular day imaginable (laughs) watching that game. And everybody was so happy.
1: I remember walking out. Walking, you know, as we, this podcast, it started with Bobby Abear, It went to the 87, then the late 90s Saints, got to the Raiders. Now it's going to the 2009 NFC Championship. But this is drunk history, people. You never know where we're going to go. So the (laughs) thing about that game, the thing about that game, Jim, that was crazy was I was stone cold sober in that game because I was so sick the night before that I was just hopped up on meds and euphoria carried me through but once I kind of like got out, we got out of the stadium and we we're walking to the car, like my body was just starting to shut down and was like, what have you done to me? And I was throwing <laughs> up. People thought I was drunk and about to die, and, but I wasn't. I was just, I just had caught like a bug. And But I was like, there was no way I was going to miss that game. It didn't matter that my, my, my temperature when I woke up in the morning was 102. Like it didn't matter. I was, I was like, my mom's like, maybe we should do, maybe you should go to the emergency room. I'm like, no. We're going to this game, you know, but listen, we did Bobby a I think Jim, your, your, your point about him having swagger. I think it's, it, that is sort of softened my, my opinion of him over time. Um, You know, but I still look at him as he never really, his play on the field except for rare moments like the Monday night game, it never elevated the Saints. So my final thought on him, and I'll give it to you, where do you rank him for Saints quarterbacks?
0: Well, I would rank him above Drew
1: Brees. <laughs> no. <laughs> now I know I'm not the only one drunk tonight. Yeah.
0: No, I mean – you know i I have to tell you, obviously, Drew is number one in my heart, Archie's going to be number two, whether the stats or anything else. When I think about the pain and suffering Archie went through, Archie deserves to be number two, and because Bobby took us to the next level, which nobody other no other quarterback had done, I would put Bobby at number three.
1: Yeah, I get it. I I get people. To me, Aaron Brooks is number 2, and it's not even a debate. But my my thing is I understand why people that grew up watching the Saints in the 70s. Wait,
0: what what and, the fuck did Aaron Brooks ever do, Ralph? I have to ask you that.
1: Let's list let's list the Saints quarterbacks that have won a playoff game. <laughs> Drew Brees, Aaron Brooks. That's the list. All right, buddy, that's the list. I'm Aaron Brooks Stan. But my thing is, I understand why people that grew up with the Saints in the 70s, they love Archie Manning and they put him number two. Because if you grew up watching the Saints in the 70s and you don't put Archie Manning number two, it means the entire 1970s watching the Saints was a waste of time. So you have to believe that you have to believe. And that's that's not an insult. As a fan, you have to hope and believe in something. And Archie Manning was what you hoped and believed in. So if you say, nah, Archie wasn't that good. He's like the third or fourth best quarterback in Saints history. If you grew up in the 70s, that's just like saying you wasted the entire decade. And, and people can't do that. And if I did that, if I grew up in the 70s, I would feel the same way. So I get the nostalgic attachment to Archie. um, But Bobby So you're, Hebert, saying, I'm,
0: so you're saying I'm right, right, Ralph? Probably.
1: May I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you as we're drunk on this. But I, I I did an Aaron Brooks podcast, and I will probably do it again. I I am the most committed supporter of Aaron Brooks, probably on social media of any Saints media slash blogger slash gas bag that there is, and I and I, I wear that proudly. But Jim. Thank you so much, guy. I and I, I say this sincerely. Of you know the fan, me and Andrew talk about this all the time. Now we our podcast. I, I don't know if we're number one of the most downloaded. Although I want to get there just so we can wear the crown and point and laugh at everyone else. It's not about even money or down, or, or, or views. I just want to be number one so we can say we're the king and lord over people. But I will say our listeners are the best and most loyal and I feel like our listeners are bonded to us in a way that other saints podcasts are not maybe it's because we give too much information or like the saints a little too much that makes it unhealthy but our fans that listen to the show are fantastic and and fans like you that donate a significant amount of money it means the world it means the world to us and i hope that this experience that you've had with me tonight for i told you i was going to take 30 minutes we've done like two hours i hope it's been uh at least partially what you desired
0: (laughs) well ralph i have to tell you i'm very very disappointed in this
1: experience
0: No. No, I you thought it I was gonna be you thought it was your... gonna
1: be serious sports talk. You thought it was gonna be serious Saints history talk.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is this is just really pissed me off. This has been a total waste of money. Where do I get a credit? I want a credit you for get my no, money, Ralph. You
1: get no credit. That money's been spent, my guy.
0: <laughs> no, I enjoy you guys. You and and Andrew and, and Dave and Kevin. It's a great it's a great time. It really you guys do a good job. It's just four guys getting together. Uh, talking saints, and that's what I enjoy.
1: All right. That's Jim. Thanks. If you want to be on Drunk History, donate $25 a month, get in the raffle. Uh, This has been Drunk History. Uh, Until next time, we'll see you. Uh, British lady, take us out. Thanks to all of our Saints Happy Hour listeners whose donations made Drunk Saints history possible. Until next time, remember, surviving Saints history is hard. That's why God made alcohol.